So one of the uh, the strange things about this one, Clay, is that mm-hmm. I uh, I think there's actually something fairly interesting about the title of Temporal Edict in terms of this show because it's um, maybe this is a small thing that I'm slightly overthinking, but it's like a almost a perfect encapsulation of where I think the comedy of this series needs to come from, which is this, the temp, when I was looking at the title and I was getting everything ready, I was like, Oh, um, time travel or something is going to happen. in this." And instead it's just, they took a sci-fi title and they kind of made it like a real world, small, like a real world, a sitcom type of setup for it instead. Like it still has a Star Trek trappings and everything, but I I just, I really like the title for this one just because I think it's a good comedy thing. And it's something I just wanted to get out of the way before we get to the main discussion about it. Yeah, I actually I had the same thought when I saw the title. I was like, "Oh, this has something to do with time travel." And I th- I still thought it was even when they kind of got into the uh once they got that timer thing up and running, the the way that they presented for the first time seems like it's going to be some sort of time loop sort of thing. You mean which brings I guess up technically, the clock? Is that what you're talking? Yeah, about? yeah. And I guess technically it is, but just not exactly the kind that I was expecting. Mm-hmm. But um yeah, no, I think it's a, it's a good title. I like it's it. probably, it'll be a good, I think it'll uh, expand on what I'm going to talk about for this episode or what I think I like about it anyway uh, when we take a break. So we'll take a break, we'll play a clip from the episode, and then we'll come back and we're going to break down Temporal Edict. Repel all intruders, but do not use it as an excuse to stop doing what you are doing. I want to stay on track and on time. It's called multitasking, people. They do it on the Enterprise all the time. I don't want to hear any complaining. I only want to hear repelling of intruders and people getting their work done. All right, so Temporal Edict is the third episode of the first season of Star Trek Lower Decks. It came out on CBS All Access, which might be Paramount Plus. Did you see that news, Clay? They might rebrand themselves as Paramount Plus uh, just because there's no original ideas left whatsoever in how you do anything. Aired on the 20th of August, 2020. A lot of two zeros in that. It's like a palindromic title or date. Um, Came out on CBS All Access. Written by... so this is probably not the place to get into this. Maybe we should save this for a Patreon like content thing. But I don't get like I it's getting so confusing as far as like what streaming services offer what what they're called what they actually don't so it's what you have to pay for extra. I don't know. It's it seems like the uh, the wild west of of uh, internet streaming is still, I still going very strong. I still can't believe that there's not a website that I can type in a title of a show and it tells me exactly which networks have it on its streaming service at this point you know uh if you just if you just google it it does that it'll but uh it does but it's it's not like a isn't the stuff that normally pops up and on it's like you can buy it on youtube tv for three dollars you could buy it here on amazon I, like i just want like i want something that i can link my accounts to and when it pops up i hit the button and it takes me to that account and it shows me the movie at that point you know what i mean Oh, I see. I see. Okay. So sure. I, don't, I don't have to sure. even like boot up the app or whatever. I guess on a Roku or a TV, you would have to do that. But I'm like the, the only thing mm-hmm. that I think there's a website called Decider or something, which usually pops up first when I look for that. And when I go into it, it doesn't give me a great idea about where it is. Sometimes it's really out of date. Like I'll click on Amazon Prime mm. and it's not free. It's like a for sale or something. Right. Anyway. Right. Someone steal that idea and use it. And all I ask is that you give me a free annual membership to it so I don't have to pay. <laughs> uh, this episode is written by Dave 
Ehlenfeld and David Wright, directed by Bob Suarez. And Universe date is 57501.42380, The Far Future. In this episode, a new work protocol eliminating buffer time has the Ceratos crew running ragged as they try to keep up with their tightened schedules. Ensign Mariner and Commander Ransom's mutual lack of respect comes to a head during an away mission. <clears throat> Quick pop quiz, Hotshot. Uh, did you like this one better oh, or worse boy. than the previous episode? The one where they go down, the ensign, uh, Rutherford meets all of his new job details, and then there's the away right, mission for right. Mariner and Boimler. Or did you like this one better? Um, I think the last one probably had more jokes that I laughed at, but uh, I think this one's story is pretty solid. Yeah. Um, I'd agree. I thought this one yeah, was less I, funny, but I thought it was a better episode of the show uh, yeah, in terms of how it was yeah. written and everything. But we, we can get into it now, yeah. I guess. Temporal, temporal edict. Um, my main takeaway from this is uh, a very large... It's a, I, it's what I started said at the opening, kind of. like it, it's, a, it's what I expect this show to do, really. And that I mm-hmm. think that... And I kind of hope that they do more things with it, except they maybe do it slightly better or in a funnier way which is to take that sci-fi concept and f- and turn it into really just kind of a real-world sitcom idea and then pepper on top of that a lot of, like, TOS references, like Ransom sure. fighting with his hands uh, clasped together. Every, every blow he strikes against that giant monster is just, like, his hands clasped together uh, and stuff like that. And I think that that... I think that's a kind of a comfortable spot for the show to be mm-hmm. in. Uh, along those same lines, <coughs> I think I mentioned this before, I'm a little bit... I don't know if concern is the right word. I'm a little bit um, intrigued in maybe a negative way about how they write the senior officers on this show. And I don't mm-hmm. know if that's the best way to go about it. So you can take either of those points or you can go with whatever direction you want. Um, well, you know, I uh, what I liked about the way that they wrote the senior officers, specifically the captain in this episode, is uh, I, I like that they wrote her as... Um, not over the top, but she she is as much of the show as any of the other characters are. Like she is sort of like a send up of a hard ass captain who is not perfect herself. I think like everybody in this episode comes off as not being perfect, which is mm-hmm. nice. Um, and uh, yeah, I I think so far this is the most we've seen of the captain and i i didn't i didn't hate what they did with her i thought she was i thought she was fine um i think the the thing that i'm that i'm really noticing is in the show is like you kind of have to you're going to have to throw out your quote unquote classic idea of how people act in a star trek show which i mean we already saw up to this point but it seems like there's not really anybody who's sort of the uh, grounding character Fits the canon from previous, yeah, yeah, which, which is my which point I don't think about what I thought. What I—that's th- what I—that's what I'm concerned about. The senior staff, really. Like I, mm-hmm. I thought the conception of this, and I think that they—I shared a link on the Discord about um the pop culture podcast Happy Hour, the NPR show, did an episode about mm-hmm. Lower Decks, and one of them just brought up that, and I, I agree with it that the the conception of the show is almost like when you read the log line about it that the ship exists in Starfleet 
but the focus mm-hmm. is on these lower deck characters who are kind of the misfits right. of this whole thing. And so right. the way that they're playing it, and it's probably because you have to feature the senior staff enough where they can't all be straight-laced. Like, they have to have some kind of comedy mm. angle to them. But the senior staff on this show are also not really quintessential Star Trek in a way that I right. thought they were going to do that, which is the senior staff are very limited in their appearance. But when they come on, they are the sort of like noble... Almost like I think Ransom is actually the best character that way. He's kind of a like stereotypical, like number one officer who's going to do the good thing. And he's only slightly Mm -hmm. funny and exaggerated in that way. But I think the captain and like the um, the tactical guy, the security officer are not. And the doctor's not that way either. But Ransom, I think, is my favorite of the senior staff because he he's kind of just a slightly exaggerated version of what the traditional Star Trek officer is supposed to be in in that position anyway. Yeah, he's he's. uh they they they've pulled out the they they've drawn out the ridiculousness of the way that those characters can uh, are are uh characterized in other shows and they've dialed it up just as much as everybody else but yeah he is probably the closest to the uh the traditional kind of star trek uh commanding character and honestly i don't know if it's if it's a bad thing that they're doing it that way cuz i mean i think it's just a matter of approach because yeah, I, um, I I originally thought the same thing you did that it was going to be more like oh, it's going to be the wacky hijinks that goes on behind the scenes of the traditional, traditional episode Star Trek, yeah. yeah. Um, and that's it's they they're sort of positioning it as though the entire ship is an outcast, mm-hmm. which is not a problem. It's just, yeah, it wasn't exactly what I was thinking of, but I, I don't think I, that that preconception aside, I don't think that the way they're doing it is is necessarily a problem, because I think the uh, the way that they handle their characters so far has been pretty good, yeah. and everybody has a little bit of silliness baked into them that can come out in, in different situations and whatnot. Is it a problem if they? I don't think they've run into another Starfleet ship yet. Uh, That's interesting, because yeah, the 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 only other starfleet people they've come in contact with are admirals i think the admiral yeah, yeah the admiral from the first episode who even he was a, had a little bit of silliness to mm-hmm. him and the admiral from this episode who is, i don't think had any silliness to her no. um so yeah i i'm not expecting i'm not expecting there to be a much of a difference if they when if and when they do run into another ship like i i Based on the way that this show feels like, I get, I feel like there's an episode coming where they get into some sort of competition yeah. with another star. Ran- Ransom's going to run you into know? his college buddy, who they, they yeah, are constantly like competing with each other. Yeah, and everybody and everybody on the other ship is going to be like you know college jock yeah. characters, kind of, you know yeah. something like that. Which you know, fine, that's fine. That's that's um, that's fine. Yeah, it's um, I don't I don't care. I guess this is just a continuing thread about whether or not. Not none of this matters. It's just that we have to obviously talk about something. Sure. But like, is is sure. is it more? Is it more in the vein of Star Trek canon if the ship is just kind of the, the if these characters are the strange ones? I think that's the that's the. I think maybe that's what's kind of missing is that if if this is a Star Trek show and the backdrop was all traditional Star Trek, that you had like no question that that's what it was. It wouldn't be a very rewarding role to be Ransom or the captain in that position, but hopefully it would just be a day player who you pay a couple bucks to record their 10 minutes of lines across an entire season. But you focus on the misfit characters, and at least at that point, it feels like it's a cohesive part of the larger Star Trek universe. And especially if they're going to insist that this is a canonical show, 
I'm fine with that comedy as long as it shows me that the real Star Trek universe still exists out there somewhere. But I think mm-hmm, that the way mm-hmm. they're doing it now is probably guaranteed to be funnier, but it's not canonical any longer. And I don't care. Again, I don't care about the canon argument. This is just like, where do you position right. the show if you're creating and writing for this show? Yeah, I think you could make an argument that not having that traditional base represented makes it harder to draw the sharp relief between the the comedy of the show and the thing that they're actually sending up because if there's essentially no straight man then what's where does the joke go you right. know but it's i i i yeah i'm i'm interested to see how they handle that like you know like you you said i think the last episode that uh there are previous actors who are coming back to to voice characters and whatnot i i think you could get that through that um i'll be interested to see how they handle that like um i wouldn't if i i think if you brought data into this show for an episode Mm -hmm. and had brent spiner just play him straight like data i think that does enough work you don't need to send anything up i think there's enough stuff there to happen around him and even the same with Riker. So I think I think you could bring in those characters and have them represent that Starfleet, you know, straight man aesthetic. Yeah, um, I, I think that would actually be very funny for work. a while to, to bring yeah. those, to bring characters like that in and just and pair them off against these guys. Um, but yeah, the, I mean the other the other thing that I I liked both of the plots in this one. I think I think mm. that they connect them better, and I think that they are. They didn't feel as A plot, B plot as they did in the previous episode. So I think that the script is a little bit stronger in that way. Um, I like that they are... I like the um, the temporal edict plot line just because it's not a straight non... It's not a straight just play on Scotty's idea of the character's reference that you mentioned time is double what it takes to do it so that mm. people pat you on the back. It's they do I that. Know, it's, it's funny. We just right. we just recorded. That we just recorded that, that uh, the yeah. relics episode. We revisited <clears throat> it for the Patreon at patreon.com slash the Penske file. Um, so it's fitting that we had this come up, but it's not just that they bring that up as a kind of like thing to riff on. It actually kicks off a plot line that causes there's like a ramification of that idea. Like this, the captain finds out that they're all been wasting their time and sort of ups the level of intensity that they have to do. Uh, I like that. that I like that. There's enough there. I think this is the most like subversive or like twisted take on any of the stuff mm-hmm. that they've done so far. And I hope they continue to to do this more intelligent spin on yes, this, but what if we twist it this way? And this is what sure. happens yeah. from it. Yeah, I think actually it's it's actually very similar to the first episode if you really want to break it down because you've got a uh, a ship wide crisis going on while the other characters are down on the on the planet. Uh, dealing with some sort of cultural misunderstanding, which ultimately ends up helping to solve the problem on the main ship and stuff. Um, but I, I think it's—I actually think it probably is a better story than the first episode, in that the problem on the ship is uh, directly attributable to actions of the characters, and not just like up oh, the one guy got bit by a yeah. bug and then turned into a zombie. Um, and also it's not it's not just 
there had been concerns that it, every episode was going to be Mariner causing a problem that she ultimately has to solve herself, and that they don't do that at all in this episode. No, it's the most different she's been, um, I think, so far. Yeah, she's 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 relegated to the background mm-hmm. for most of it. Um, and it it uh, <clears throat> so yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a nice problem in that it is born of stuff going on on the ship and the way characters interact and and you know boimler letting having a loose tongue um and i think it works really well and i and i also really like the the fact that he is like in heaven while everybody else is just dying (laughs) dying barely managing to get by yeah yeah and him him being in heaven about it it kind of um i think i think for some reason a lot of the comedy didn't land for me in this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that, like the the ending beat about he gets a statue in the future, you know, and that he's horrified mm-hmm. that he's going to be uh, remembered as this sort of person who came up with this time wasting rule or whatever. Um, that doesn't really feel like it lands for me. I I never really. I never really felt that there was a good enough reason for the captain's edict about like being tracked it was causing these people to go all crazy and like how they how they were working so fast. Like I never felt that anything beyond the idea that she doesn't want them wasting time was being implemented mm-hmm. to track them or anything. She says that they're tracking them through their button clicks or something like that, but it never really comes across. So it seems like people just kind of running around screaming. Um, I like this stuff on the planet probably the most, even mm-hmm. though. I wonder. I wonder how far you can go with the um, the the when they talk to the aliens at the end, right? It, it's got a lot of what I would just say is like that's going to be the alien interaction about uh, how aliens are portrayed. Like, isn't that weird? Like, we do this. Isn't that weird? Like, don't you think this is mm. weird? And and I don't know how how long you can really go with that. Although I did laugh at their fetishization about crystals, like when they're when mm. they're spraying the crystal graffiti or whatever they call it. I don't know. Did you think you, you? I think agreed to the start. You didn't think it was this funny. Was there a a reason you didn't think it was this funny? Was it just the luck of the draw um, kind of thing? Yeah, I just think I think that there were. I felt like there were fewer jokes. Um, like I I found the entire thing humorous, but I didn't feel like that they were just throwing jokes at you the way that they have in the previous episodes and the stuff that i did laugh at was just random things like i i really had a good chuckle at the adjudication geode i thought that was pretty funny and uh i really liked after ransom beats up that big guy uh when he i can't remember exactly what he says but it ends with him saying i love to read yeah i thought you could just say your name no i'm smart too yes yeah uh, so like there, it was sort of smaller stuff like that that I thought was was uh, uh, the funnier stuff. And yeah, when when they're when they're spraying the graffiti on the ship, and one of them just goes crystal graffiti <laughs> or whatever. Um, but yeah, I I think what I'm actually enjoying about this is that so far I feel like they're kind of uh, going the route that I was hoping they would go where they are actually writing good stories that have jokes in them as opposed to just being 25 minutes of just random references and jokes. Yeah. Because I think the stories are have been really strong yeah. as far as 
half an hour Star Trek episodes go, if you took the jokes out of this, I think it would still work. I, I think the references, um, I think the references augment this story as opposed to just being mm-hmm. a kind of seasoning on top of another story that they've done. Like the the Scotty thing right. ties into something, and then uh, the sort of like the way that Ransom is as a character is very much the Kirk mold. Like he's that character. And so when he's stuck in a situation like that, that's how he reacts to it. And his, right. the, the conflict between him and Mariner being attracted to each other yet hating each other at the same time is kind of a, uh, uh, sort of a natural outlook on that or a natural uh, sort of way to proceed with them. Right. Right. And yeah, I, I think the uh, the the character writing continues to be pretty strong. They, they seem to all be pretty fairly defined. And yeah, Mariner, I, it, this was the most sub you know for lack of a better term subdued she's been so far. And I think I think if I think this episode should have been a uh, a, a a turning point for you if the things that you were worried about were ma- the Mariner's character, how many references they're going to be throwing. Cause I mean, I think this episode shows that they can still do the show without it just being those two things over and over and over again. Yeah. Um, Cause yeah, I, I, like you said, I think the references, they were still there, but it wasn't as rapid fire as it has been. And the stuff that they did do seemed to have a point for the most part. Yeah. 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 Mariner's, um, I mean, I guess the reason that you kind of have to flesh out the senior staff is that if you don't, you're stuck with the Mariner in that characterization mold forever. Like, mm-hmm. if you only have those four characters who are kind of the crazy, zany characters and the rest of them are playing it straight, you're definitely going to run out of material faster there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So they're augmenting it by... I I mean, I probably like the the senior officers more than the Lower Decks characters at this point. Like, I, I mm-hmm. think that they... Because they're more obviously sort of send-ups of a stereotype in Star Trek that we're familiar, the you you feel like you know them better. I was sitting there watching this. We just got done watching, um, talking about minefields for the Enterprise show. I think in three episodes, I understand these characters better than a season and a couple episodes of Enterprise has done, oh, which is really kind of 100%. zany. And it's a lot of it's yeah. easier because they're. Ransom is the, oh, he's the Riker Kirk character taken to an extreme. Mm-hmm. Oh, the grumpy doctor character. I understand that too. Oh, the captain who's got a chip on his shoulder. But even Mariner and Boimler and Rutherford and probably not Tendi. I don't really know what Tendi is to this point. But like, I, I think the other three out of the four, I could characterize them and I understand what drives them in a way that I don't, at least through one season of Enterprise, to Enterprise's detriment. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, the, the thing I always say, uh, if if you're going to describe a character, can you describe a character d- outside of what they look like and what their job is? I think this show checks that checks that box because I think all of those characters are pretty well defined as far as what their, uh, for lack of a better term, ethos is in the situations that they're in and just how they react to stuff. Because because shocker, they're writing stories where each one of them reacts to it in a way that is consistent with their character. Yep. So that way you are learning what their character is by the way that they react yep. to it and the actions that they take because of it. And they also kind of have the same job. So they, they have to differentiate them differently. Sure. Like they're, yeah. they're in different positions, yeah. but they're all just unimportant <clears throat> ensigns on the bottom of the ship. So they, they all are kind mm. of similar. Well, but even even the, even the, uh, the senior staff, sure. too. I mean, 
between Ransom, the captain, and the uh, security chief, the I feel like those name? guys Sorry? and the doctor. What's the captain's name? I feel like I should remember this. I don't know. It is uh, Carol it's, Freeman. I know it's not. It's captain Freeman. Freeman? Yeah. Okay, yeah. I was going to say, because I knew it wasn't Mariner, obviously, yeah. but even though it's her mom. but uh, So is that, does it mean that the Admiral is Admiral Mariner? The, the one that she was talking to in the pilot? Yeah. Must be, I assume. I don't know. Yeah. I guess. Maybe. Who knows how names work in the 23rd century? They've, well, obviously, um, you can't keep doubling names because at that point, you're going to run out of space on the paper. So they've decided after after at some point, we're just going to pick one name and you're going to stick with that and that'll be it. Right. Uh, and thank God they all have different names because every single time we talk about Enterprise, I feel like we both have the problem of saying when talking about Reed and somebody else, we always say Malcolm and Reed. Yeah. Their names and it's because and everybody names are everybody names. on that friggin' ship only has first yep. names. It's all first names except Hoshi and T'Pol. It's all just and and Flocks. Mm-hmm. The ones who have singular names are fine, but the other all the other guys have three first names, and it's very hard to keep track of. <laughs> Jonathan Archer. No, I, yeah, it's uh, Captain Freeman, Commander Ransom, Shrax, and the Doctor is Ta'ana, I guess. Um, but yeah, I interrupted you. You were talking about the the senior <clears throat> staff. Um, I don't know if you had anything else on that. I, I I just I like them. I think that they're the yeah. I think they a lot of the comedy that makes me laugh comes from those characters in some way, like the uh, the sort of zaniness of Ransom or the uh, the attitude of Shrax and the the captain and stuff like that. Mm. The Doctor. Is well, fine. I did you know. I I think even characterization wise, I I liked this episode for the captain because you get she's not you see that she's not just. She's not just a send-up of hard-laced Starfleet captain. Clearly, she recognizes the ship that she's the captain of is not exactly the the flagship. Yeah. And so they're getting diverted to do different stuff that is a lot less important and she is reacting accordingly to it. And I so I think I think they're doing a nice job with these characters so far. Um, I do have to say I was very disappointed that they didn't get to go to Cardassia Prime. I know, yeah. Because I was, I was really looking forward to seeing how the Cardassians were going to be com- uh, portrayed in the yeah, show. Yeah, that's true because it would be post-DS9 uh, and everything, so you'd have to sort of figure it out. Uh, you'd have to come up with a canon explanation as to where the Cardassians are at that point. Yeah, they don't, they don't I would, them. I would, hope, I would hope they wouldn't care about canon enough that they could get uh, – what the hell's his name? Uh, Mark Alamo to do a voice of a Cardassian yeah. <laughs> without like a, just a different Cardassian, but it's just a Gul Dukat. It's just every Cardassian. Every Cardassian is just voiced yeah. by him or yeah. something. Um, yeah, I, I outside of that, I you know it's one of those things. I think some of the comedies like the the crystal wor- stuff works for me on some level. On some level, it doesn't. You know, it's I, I wonder how far you can really push that stuff. The captain. To your point about the captain, she recognizes Boimler's success at the end of it. She's she's not a completely antagonistic mm-hmm. character towards them. She is obviously aggressive and uh, wants to sort of take down Mariner and things like that. But at the same time, even if it's just for a joke, she's willing to accept that Boimler came up with something that that changed things for them and gives them a statue. And it's also I like that the way that they they handle that at least in this episode is that she compliments him for the wrong thing, right. like. He, she's gonna she's gonna uh she's gonna admit that that he deserves to be complimented but she she's not actually anywhere close to to why yeah i think i think 
Maybe what's interesting about this one to me or the thing that's different from the others is that it it feels the most like the story is the primary thing and the jokes are kind of secondary. So right. Uh, right. the the jokes here, like particularly in the temporal edict, the on the ship plot line, um, you know, even when the crew fights back, it feels like there's a connection there, but I'm not really sure that there is where the captain gives them a pep speech about like you no one tend to your duties. Like you, so I guess you're supposed to believe that they've not been fighting back against the invasion because she's been demanding that they continue to do their duties in the meantime. And, mm-hmm. you know, they, they fight back and stuff like that. But that interestingly, that feels more like it's supposed to be insight about the captain character than it is just a joke that they flipped on themselves as to like why now you mm-hmm. can fight back at that point. So it's the first episode I felt that put a primary focus on story. Uh, maybe not to 100% success, but instead of just having it be a kind of clever or cute joke that flips around, and that's the reason that the story ends at that point. Yeah, I'm hoping going forward that they um, they can find a that the, their variation of story can can uh, increase a little bit because, like I said, I f- this feels structure wise at least and very similar to the first one. And the second one was a little bit was different, but it was uh, uh, what the hell happens in the second one? The second one is Rutherford does all of his stuff in the beep, the comic B plot where he changes right. jobs. Yeah, so that that's yeah, so that's nice. But you know, going back to this sort of they've like, all been rigid A, uh, rigid B plot lines, so right? Far. Which I don't have a problem with that. But going back to this uh, 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 crisis on the ship, and while stuff goes down on the pl- stuff goes crazy on the planet below doing that every week would get tired pretty quickly. Um, And also I hope that they, they can do more interactions with aliens other than there's a cultural misunderstanding, which jump starts some sort of conflict. Cause I, like I said, that's, I think that's going to get old pretty quick too. Um, So yeah, as long as they can continue to keep their variation, keep their stories varied because there's so much to draw from in Star Trek that it, it feels like you shouldn't have to go back to the well that many yeah. times, the same well that many times. But, uh, you know, three episodes in, obviously. Yeah. So, a lot, a lot, there's plenty more to go. We'll see where that would happen. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of hoping for um, more ensemble stuff where they maybe don't split them mm-hmm. quite as much. Or if they do, it's pairs off of a larger team unit that are all doing the same thing. Uh, kind of like a voyage home idea or something. Like they all go back in time and they have it's, they split them up to do different things or whatever. Um mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. I, I think that's where the senior staff are, are like absolutely necessary. Because there's only so many pairings you can have with the main four, and a lot like <clears throat> some of them they haven't even attempted yet. Like I don't know what Boimler and Tendi would be like as a team. I don't think there's sure, really anything. Sure. Boimler and Rutherford are really even kind of difficult to understand what they would complain about with, if they were stuck together. So mm-hmm. bringing in the senior staff is necessary to just increase the amount of friction between characters, uh, really. And, um, just, I have to praise it now. I, I like, um, I like Jerry O'Connell's performances as ransom. I think he's good. I think he's probably mm, my favorite yeah. voice actor out of all of them. Yeah. He's doing a good job. I actually didn't realize that was him. I saw his name in the credits and I thought I could p- pick his voice out pretty easily, but it doesn't sound like what I remember Jerry O'Connell sounding right. like. Yeah. No, he's, 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 he's but yeah, he's, yeah, I was just yeah, he's doing a good job. Uh he uh he's a good foil for everybody else and uh uh he he doesn't oversell it. You know, he does the the um cocky cocky starship commander thing, but he doesn't go too over the top yeah. with it. 
which is nice. Yep. Uh, anything else to say about this one? We're pretty much done. The short. They go by so quick. Even while you're watching it, it's like, wow, what a refreshing 20 minutes of... It's yeah. o- the, the, the claims well, it's 26 minutes, and then there's four minutes of like coming next or see you next time on CBS right. All Access. Yeah. So it's really only like a 20-minute show. Yeah, I think just to uh, to, to circle back to, to Mariner, I, I, I really like this one for her because uh, they, they go into even a little bit more the fact that she has earned her scars, literally. Mm-hmm. Um but that doesn't ultimately mean that she has the answers to everything in this one. I mean, this one it's it's tough because it's not like an it's not like a better idea comes up and helps him out. It's just that Ransom ends up fighting versus yeah. her fighting. Yeah. Um but even still, I like that she didn't I think they very easily could have gone the other way and had her fight the the big guy and then cut back to ransom who's in the the prison going like ooh that's kind of hot yeah you know yeah, yeah uh so i'm glad that they didn't do that i'm glad that they let ransom actually do something and that's probably and the most let- pro canon sequence right because that what that what that sequence does is it kind of validates the original star trek like the the show is not a hundred percent subversive and cynical of the star trek idea it's Mm-hmm. By giving him that plot line, it really celebrates the original series and the original couple series, like the 90s Star Trek right. and stuff like that. Right. It's not the um, subversive thing that you said where if she was fighting it, Ransom would just be like, oh, yeah. This, like that. I feel that that's the more um, – I, I can't remember the Futurama, but that that captain who wears the short – like top and falls oh, in love right, with Lita right, yeah. or whatever he's a he, captain mm-hmm. whatever that guy's name is but he's always ogling after Lita and I could see the Futurama episode where he's stuck in the prison watching that and going like ooh that's right. sexy yeah 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 so this is the, this yeah, is the difference I'm, there where Futurama is almost completely a send up it's good but Futurama is almost like completely about sort of breaking apart everything and I think that that sequence was really it kind of took me off guard. It was like, oh, what a like, what a strange sort of reverence for the original idea of what Star Trek would normally do in an episode like this. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think overall, I think it's just uh, the writing is pretty strong so far in the show, and uh, hopefully, hopefully they keep it up. I'm really, especially now that we've hit episode three, <clears throat> I'm really confused or or fascinated at why critically this was was so negatively uh received because mm. i don't think it's bad at all like i i would rather watch this than picard yeah f- frankly yeah. um like it it's it's not maybe it's not as laugh out loud or or as uh sharply uh or as bitingly written as something like rick and morty yeah. or something but i mean i don't know if i it, I, I don't think it's I think it works perfectly well for what it does, and I think the stories they're writing are pretty solid. Yeah, the uh, the NPR podcast that I mentioned, everyone kind of said they, they're they're feeling at this point or they've seen four episodes. They're, they'd all describe themselves as mixed positive. So I I can mm-hmm. kind of understand that. Like I, I don't really understand not liking it in the sense of being like this is a, a bad show. Like what a bad show this is. Right. Um. I don't think it's that. I think that you're you're definitely waiting to see what it turns into because it's still mm. very early and you don't really know exactly where it is. And I think that there is there is a ground to be, like we've wondered in previous episodes, there is space to wonder like where you're supposed to draw the line between whether or not, where this fits into a Star Trek timeline and whether or not that's important. Um, mm-hmm. I think if you, 
if you are not super connected to Star Trek, I think that you'd probably be harsher on the show because you don't think it's going as funny as it needs to be. Like, I, I think that if you right. if you don't have a Star Trek connection, I think you'd watch this and go, this is okay, but it's not particularly... Batting average on the jokes is not killing it right now. Like, this is, mm. this is not mm-hmm. exactly good. I think if you're familiar with Star Trek, you probably have a little bit more leeway or you're more apt to see what they're trying to do. Even if you don't think it's 100% sex, uh, successful, you're like, okay, I, I, I see where, where they're trying to feel this out at this point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'll be interested to see where it goes from here and, and uh, et cetera, et cetera. The Ceratos. I guess we're done talking about uh, Temporal Edict. Were you upset that there was no time travel? No. No. I, I'm, I'm sure they're going to they get will, to it. Yeah, they will, yeah. I mean, it, you know, it, it seems like uh, that's got to be on the short list for things to do. Yeah. And I'm I'm glad that I would be shocked if how many episodes are in the first season? Ten. Ten. I would be shocked if the first season ends without, I guess technically they already did a rise of joke in the last episode, but... I feel like they're going to go to Ryza at some point and I feel like there's going to be a time travel episode and I, there's definitely going to be a mirror universe. Episode. Yeah, that's true. What's the mirror universe of this universe? I guess you'd, I guess they, they I, I would imagine they would send up the original series idea of like goatees mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Like everyone would have a goatee. Um, I hope, I hope that their jokes are a little bit more thoughtful than that. Cause that's been the joke since the sixties, yeah. you know, all the way through all the terrible um, mirror universe DS9 episodes. Right, right, right. Uh, I think there's more since since there have been more mirror episodes since that first original one in the 60s, and most of them are bad mm-hmm. and have la- laughable stuff in them. I think there's a lot more you can draw from to make fun of than just the goatee. Yeah, I'd, I guess I'd I would try to break away from the mirror universe that we know and do some kind of mm-hmm. play on it's a mirror universe but it's not the one that you expect is is going to be happening mm-hmm. in this one um you know because the mirror universe of this series would be the straight laced button down star trek universe right like they run into the picard character who's just like completely serious about everything uh, if you're taking right, the idea of what right. the mirror universe is supposed to represent um yeah yeah we'll see i mean i imagine they've there's just a ton of stuff they've got. To, like I imagine, there's a Borg episode baked into it. They, they, there's episodes built mm-hmm. around all the different cultures that you've got. So we'll see. That's it. Thank you very much for listening. A special thank you goes to our patrons who support the show at Patreon.com/slash/ThePenskyFile. Patreon.com/slash/ThePenskyFile. A couple dollars a month gets you extra stuff. And as always, if you're a Captain Tier supporter, you get a special thank you. Special thanks goes to Christian Pouch, Tark Latif, Chris Tinsley, Mike Burnett, Cardinal Doomsday, Joint Mango, Ben Douglas, Neil Brennan, Kyle Barrett, Samuel Custer, Matt Ross, Nathan Elliott, Eric Johnson, Andrew Sherlock, Grin Santo, Matt Cutler, Dwayne Hackett, Sean, Jordan Cooper, Russell Elledge, Kevin Reyes, Fall 13 Hero, Stephen Minton, David Beardmore, Darth Mosk, HH28, Matt Courier 6, Jacob123, Matt Houston, Mike Harris, Point Extra G, Nick Sergi, Jakey's Gamer, Patrick Seba, Captain Brazen, Kevin Lowry, Eric Sanchuan, Bradley Killens, Corey Martin, Woodrow, Rune Vandler, William Scheisler, and Timothy Cooley. Thank you very much for supporting the show at patreon.com slash Um We don't have final thoughts or ratings for this one at all, but uh, any I, I guess you can do final thoughts. We just can't do a rating. Um, I don't know if I have... I'm... As you were saying, I'm, I'm just... I continue to be like pleasantly pleased with this show. Mm. I watch it and I'm not like, what the 
the fuck? Like, why, why, why is this happening? It's not like my short right. trek experience. I'm like, what? What's the goal here? Like, what are you trying to do with this series? Right, right, right. Uh, I understand their goal. I think that they're fairly effective at it. I think that the show can get better, but a lot of shows can improve. The show is not bad enough where I lament having to watch this. And I think there's room to build on it, really. And I, I liked this episode. I thought maybe this was my favorite episode outside of the fact that it wasn't the funniest episode. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed this one more than the other two that have come along. So I think it bodes well for the future. And um, the final point is that everyone on that podcast, again, mentioned that season four has a very uh, surreal section in it where... Season four. Uh, sorry, the episode four. The next episode coming up. They say... Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Uh, I forget exactly how they phrase it, but it feels like it's a bizarre twist on Star Trek is the way that they described it. So I think that that's maybe an episode that... I don't know if they said they preferred it, but it feels like it's going to be an episode that certainly does something with an idea. Cool. I'm looking forward to looking it. Looking forward to yeah. that. I was, I was thinking uh, if they wanted to do a Star Trek cartoon show that was cheap and was uh, an even more direct send-up, they should hire the C-Lab 2020 guys or 2021 guys to, to take the old Star Trek cartoon show and repurpose it into uh, into a C-Lab type show. <laughs> just do shorts with that. Do animated shorts yeah. with just, just those two. I know. I'm sure there's a YouTube channel that's done that um, at some point. Maybe that Major Grin channel has done all these things. Like there's, <laughs> I don't know if it's Major Grin. I don't know if you've seen it. There's one that does... Um, they do sort of strange re-edits of scenes. So they take mm-hmm. a, like a TNG scene and they'll just linger on a shot for longer than is in the, the actual episode. And it, leads these, it gives this really like comedic effect to stuff that's going on. I think I have seen that. I've seen, if it's not that one, I've seen one similar to it where uh, the, the one that comes to mind is, is a video of, it was like Picard practicing his flute for an extended yeah, period yeah, of time yeah. like while the ship is going there's the, yeah there's, there's even it's more very funny i've seen that one there's the ones i'm thinking are even more subtle it's just they they play the scene the same but it's just like they add cuts of like wharf sitting down in the middle you know there's just weird <laughs> sort of surreal yeah. sequences of like wharf sits uh, at a moment that you're not expecting and stuff like that but there's all right. this content i'm sure there's some sort of recut tas stuff um which we'll have to get to at some point uh that's it do you have any final thoughts or are you done? Talked about this one um, twice no. as yeah, long as the episode. I'm looking f- yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, to seeing what's coming next. I think the writing, if the writing continues to be as strong as it is, it should be a pretty solid season, I think. What's the one thing you would, what's something, what's something you would change to make the show more for you as opposed to a, like, a, if you think there's a problem uh, technically with it or anything? Is there anything you'd be like, this would be custom built for me if they did this? here well three things come to mind uh hardcore nudity Mm -hmm. it's coming uh no you know i don't know um more custom i guess i guess it would be if uh, if if their if their jokes were a little bit more biting Mm -hmm. uh because they are like they're they're fun and i enjoy them but they 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 lack teeth a lot of the times and I don't see that as a negative because I think, you know, whatever. It's it's all about their approach is their approach. It's fine. Um, but the thing I, uh, I've i always liked about Rick and Morty is how deep their cuts go. And I don't mean like reference-wise. I just mean like when they when they take a swipe at something, they're 
taking meat yeah. out on the other end. You know right. what I mean? Um, but I don't know if it's that kind of show. Um, so yeah, I don't, what do you think? I think, yeah, I, I, I guess I personally would just say, maybe this doesn't work in animation at this point, but I would say cut out, like, let's try to make a solid album here. Cut out these filler tracks and really mm-hmm. focus on what joke you want to work here. So in sure, some sense, it sure. would almost it would almost more closely resemble Star Trek, except the comedy would just be like I, I would really like more of the comedy to come from the the ideas that they have here, which is that Scotty's idea is actually implemented into a plot line that comes out of it. You right. know? And, well, sure, I don't think that sure. this one was particularly successful because I don't think it was all that funny outside of the cleverness of doing it. Um, I would prefer mm-hmm. more of that and less less stuff, even though I liked it, less stuff of like ransom fighting, you know, with his double axe handle smash, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, because at a certain point, well, if they had not mentioned that, I would have enjoyed the joke more, but he has lines during where he's like interlocking fingers and, and, and stuff like right, that. And I, right. that's, it's okay, but that feels too... Um, immersion breaking in some way that would be my change mm-hmm. just maybe tone down the jokes a little bit but make the the jokes more built into the plot as opposed to just kind of layering them on top of things which i think this episode did a good job of yeah you know thinking about when we were talking about bringing in cast members from other shows i almost wish that they had a a single recurring cast member from a different show who popped up in some fashion i i uh, last episode i think or maybe the first one i remember i mentioned uh, adam west on family yeah. guy that sort of character where you have someone who is a link to the previous shows so if you if the rest of your show is going to be crazy wacky you know send-ups or whatever um having that one uh grounding character who interacts with these characters from time to time would be an interesting addition just as like as a constant who's maybe not on every show but maybe has like a guinan sort of role who where you know every now and then they have to talk to jordy or something something like that where it's like they can the i would like guinan more i would like guinan i think guinan kind of of work as that character it'd be a great addition why not uh, but yeah, some someone who who grounds some of the ridiculousness a little bit yeah. more. What um, last point, and then we'll go. Uh, and as a reference point, too. yeah. So you know, you can just them being there can can uh, recontextualize a reference in a way that you don't even have to bring it up, depending on what the situation is. The um, the last thing, just so I'm not accused of being uh, somewhat hypocritical, I think I should bring this up a little bit. I, the, the other thing that I would change, and this is much more minor than anything about that, is that I I feel that this show should be no different from shows like Discovery, which is that I don't like it when they play up the Enterprise as a pinnacle of them in sure. the universe, so that they they so that everyone in the show treats the Enterprise like it's something. We laughed about that in Discovery season one when it ended. If if the bridge crew all comes to a screeching halt and they're like, it's the Enterprise. The Enterprise is just some ship. In there, like there's no, mm-hmm. there's nothing. The Enterprise is only famous because of what Pike and Kirk did after Discovery. You know what I mean? There's no, there's no reason right, to react right. to the Enterprise like it's some amazing thing. Uh, the same thing I think applies here. I don't really like how often they reference like the Enterprise does this all the time, and they do everything right on the Enterprise. I, like, I understand why they're doing it, but I, I would prefer that they didn't do that. 
I think. I just don't like treating the Enterprise as a kind of like anything out of the ordinary for this universe, even if it's this twisted funhouse mirror of a universe. Yeah. I don't mind it as much in this as I as I did in Discovery because at this point in the timeline, the Enterprise has, has done, done some, some shit. Stuff, yeah. You know, they at by this point like kind of like uh the run that Mariner goes on at the end of the first episode. Spock has come back from the dead. They went back in time and saved the whales. Yep. Yep. Like they they you know, they single-handedly destroyed the Borg and all this kind of sh- you know, like there's the Enterprise deserves its reverence at this point. Um so I guess that doesn't bother me as much as it does in Discovery, exactly for the reasons you said, because at that point, Discovery is just, I mean, sorry, Enterprise is just some ship at that yeah, point. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that is that is a grounding point to, an, to a certain extent, because that is a point of reference that people, that you can throw in contrast with the stuff they're doing that people will understand pretty easily. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, if you said, well, they never do this on the Excelsior. I don't think anybody's going to really. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it'll work. Who yeah. knows? But I, I don't. I don't. I don't think I mind it in this. Um, if they keep again, like anything else in the show, if they keep going back to that well and they keep talking about the Enterprise and referencing the Enterprise and and that becomes the basis of most of their jokes, yeah, then it becomes a problem. Yeah. All right, let's call it a day there. Thank you very much, guys, for listening. Patreon.com slash The Penske File if you want to listen to that. We've got Rotten Horror and uh, Badass are coming out at this point, too. You can go to thepenskefile.com to subscribe to those. Otherwise, subscribe to the YouTube channel, and they'll pop up there. I think we're done with that. Lower Decks episode number three is in the can. Minefield comes out. Enterprise's Minefield comes out on Tuesday, and then Lower Decks is out on Friday after that, and that'll be the schedule for the next little bit of time until Lower Decks ends. So thank you very much. We'll see you later.